What's up? My name is Dwayne Jones. I'm an artist and a designer and the founder of a lifestyle brand called Art Pays Me. And this is the Art Pays Me podcast. I love talking to creative people about their business, their successes, their challenges, and how they make the world a better place with their work. Let's get into it. Welcome to Art Pays Me. Today, we have Russell Lauder. Now, Russell is a performance artist, a musician, and a producer. And uh, I'm a new fan. So, Russell, with that, and you know, it's something else. Like, I was looking at your, your Instagram, and it said that you make uh, music for people that, like, dance to and cry to. And I was yeah. like, oh, that's a that's a mood. That was... <laughs> Is that a good way to describe your yourself? Yeah, I think so. I think the music is um, is like there's like a lot of juxtaposition. Like it's um, yeah, there's like it's danceable. Like it it works within like the pop sort of like dance music framework of like it's like most of it is in four four time and like you know you can like I think it could like work in a DJ set or something, but also, like, I confront really kind of um, intense themes in my lyrics. So I think it's also, like, it can maybe serve as a space of, like, catharsis for someone listening to it. Or, um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting you say that. Because it does kind of seem like, like you could easily hear it on the radio. But then there is a, an added layer below it that uh, it's not just, like, fun stuff mm-hmm. um yeah so are you formally trained uh I took I did like uh professional or not professional I did like private uh voice lessons for a couple of years um like right before the end of high school and um and like then yeah like when I was like 18 um and they were really helpful. I had a really good teacher uh, named Suzanne Campbell in PEI. Um, and that was really great. And I was like, yeah, it was more like a classical approach, which um, I don't consider myself a classical singer. I can't even really read music. Um, but uh, it definitely like in terms of technique and like learning how to take care of my voice and um, just like strengthening up my voice. Like I think classical training is like push-ups for your voice, basically. Uh-huh. Like it's, um, it's a really great way to just kind of like learn how like your anatomy works. Because mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's like, it's, it's, a, it's a muscle. So yeah, I did that for a couple of years, but um, I didn't really do any, um, and then I did like band classes and stuff in high school and junior high. I played French horn, which I think like really helps. Like, I think I still have like those like breath muscles. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, besides that, not really, not really any, like, uh, I didn't like go to school for music or anything like that. Those were just mm-hmm. sort of things that I incidentally did growing up. Right. Did you always know that music was going to be your thing? I mean, yes and no. Like music was always kind of around 
in that like it was the thing that I always gravitated to but when I was like sort of a year out of high school I started um I just like got really into the art world randomly and uh and I started like doing performance artwork and touring with that um and and I was doing a lot of dance stuff too um which I haven't really come back to in a while, but uh, you know, like music was always kind of like the underlying drive underneath all of that, whether or not I realized it. And then, um, yeah, I don't know if there was ever like a moment where I was like, this is the thing that I'm going to do. I think it was just like a series of little moments throughout my life that kind of were like, Oh yeah, that was a sign. Oh yeah, that was a sign. Oh yeah, that was a sign. And then I was like touring as a musician and I was like, Oh okay <laughs> right yeah so like yeah literally it's just you just kept you were just making and performing and and it just kind of snowballed from there sort of thing yeah, yeah it, was a, it was definitely a snowball effect like I mean I guess like the like when I started to take music seriously was like 2016 2017 um because in 2015, I had, I had gone to Iceland just for a few months as like a self-funded thing. And uh, I just kind of needed a change of scenery. And oh boy, oh boy, did I get it. Um, but uh, but I, I, I had like a access to a studio space there. And um, I taught myself how to produce just like with GarageBand. And I was like making instrumental stuff and um, just sort of like stream of consciousness, didn't really pay attention to it. And then I like sent it to my brother. He was like, and he's a composer, like a professional composer, huh. producer. And he was like, hey, like, this isn't good, but it's definitely not bad. <laughs> Which was like exactly <laughs> what I needed to hear because I knew that he wouldn't, he wouldn't like give me any sort of like, you're doing amazing crap. Because right. he's like a very like, he will tell you what he thinks. Yeah. Person. Um, so it was like the perfect encouragement. I was like, okay, if he, if he thinks it's not bad, it's genuinely not bad. So I'm just going to keep getting better. Um, and then I just sort of got like hooked on production. And then I wasn't really singing at that point. Um, it wasn't until like a couple of years later that I started like writing lyrics. And then I released an EP in 2017, got a festival offer, started touring that was how music happened anyway that's a lot of things but cool yeah <laughs> cool and you're from PEI yeah uh so where are you based now I'm in Montreal currently I don't know why um <laughs> the way that they're handling COVID and stuff um no I mean like the original plan was to live half time in PEI and half time in Montreal and like that hopefully will be the plan once this pandemic has subsided a bit and I feel ethically okay about like skipping between two provinces. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I live in Montreal right now. Okay. Yeah. yeah Montreal, like Quebec in general, seems like it, it went through some rough patches with this uh, mm. pandemic. I like, I cannot emphasize enough like what uh like messy messy place this is right now just with the way the government is handling 
the pandemic, like there's a curfew. So now like houseless people are literally dying. Like oh. it's so not okay. It is so not okay. Um, and yeah, like hospitals are getting ready for critical triage. Like, I just, I don't know how, how this place is just like being so ineffective with the medical advice that's out there, but that's a whole other tangent. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm really disappointed, but I'm really proud of PEI that seems to be handling it really well. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like go Maritimes. Yeah. Atlantic bubble. Yeah. Uh, well, it, not that it exists anymore, but you know. Yeah, yeah. So are you currently signed right now? I am, yeah, to Lisbon Lux Records. Okay. Which is in Montreal. It's an indie label. Okay. So yeah, going between the two provinces just made it easier to to work with them for certain stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Like I really loved living in PEI for like the community and kind of just like the time away from like big city energy like I like the accessibility of cities and like you know I can get a really good show offer and just be there um right but uh yeah like I I'm kind of just like an island kid at heart like I belong in a field or on a beach and like (laughs) So I feel like a little out of my element in a city, but I also like, this is where the music I make is most supported. So, I mean, not to say that I don't get support in PEI, like PEI has been very good to me in a lot of ways, but um, yeah. Yeah, I I hear what you're saying. Um, Like sometimes that accessibility to to certain things is, is hard to replicate, even though you might love the place that you come from. Yeah, 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 it's so bittersweet. Yeah, yeah. So, in terms of like other, otherwise, like being signed, like, do you find that they help you facilitate more relationships with, with um, like different media outlets and things like that? Mm-hmm. Or definitely, um, like the label I'm on now, they're also like my management and uh publishing so we're like all in like we're basically married um and uh so they uh yeah they like they really vouch for me um for yeah like media outlets that they have a good rapport with um they're also like great with the grant system like I am not like like props to uh to artist administrators because I don't have that kind of brain I'm not good at it I'm like so ADHD I like have a phobia of administration work um Mm. and I still do it like I'm not you know a princess or whatever but uh I um having someone help me navigate the grant system is like so so helpful because I just have to like tell them what I need and what I want to do and like that is such a luxury that's not lost on me like i i know how lucky i am um cool yeah so like there's that like it's just like they help me get fed basically yeah yeah (laughs) i you know they help me pay my rent like it's um yeah and they work hard for me and they're like passionate about the project cool 
yeah, it's really, it's really nice. Do they, I'm curious how this works, like in, in today's era, like, do, do they also like say, Hey, for your social posts, like you have to talk about certain things or you can't talk about certain things in your social media and things like that? I mean, no, I mean, I think if I was like, you know, uh, like spewing hate speech or something they'd be like dude no <laughs> but i couldn't do that anyway but um like uh no they 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 trust my sort of social media presence because i i'm generally pretty active about that anyway it's like a really good hustle for a um like an emerging musician to like be consistent on social media so i sort of already had those tools I do have like a social media um, like manager person who's with the who's like who's with the label, and um, she just sort of like helps me out when there's like an announcement or like a release coming up. She'll be like, "Okay, so we're gonna like we're gonna get you to like tell us these words for this post, and then like we'll post it, and then you can do your Instagram and your Twitter." Or like blah, blah blah it's like it's really more like they're just helping me out do what right. i need to because it's like a lot of platforms that i'm sort oh. of doing um and uh but no they're not like or, or and like if there's something like a like a grant or something mm-hmm. that i've gotten from a funding body like i usually have to give them a shout out or like tag them in some way or like you know if i get te- like put in a playlist they they don't say that i have to they're just like it would be a good idea let these people know that you're stoked on the support that they're giving you, which I would probably do anyway, but they're just like, yeah, but there's no like, um, yeah, I'm not like a puppet. (laughs) Got you. Got you. Yeah. 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 So I saw like one thing was interesting to me. You, uh, you made a comment about, well, it was, it's kind of like a repost from someone else, but it was commenting on like mainstream music appropriating black uh, techniques and, Yep. And uh, basically kind of watering down the music in some ways. And like, mm-hmm. what, what are your thoughts on that? Well, um, I think I know which post you're talking about. And it's something I think about a lot just in my own music, which is like, um, and I think I made the post like sort of around uh, like post kind of like George Floyd. Yeah. Like and um shit was really hitting the fan and um a lot of people were kind of like I don't know I noticed like a lot of musicians kind of like pointing like a lot of white musicians particularly like pointing the racism finger at other white musicians and I was like guys like (laughs) let's just look at our industry and what we do and um sort of like uh I think that like um decolonizing your music taste is um, like a process of going back and looking at the history of where, what you do comes from. And Mm -hmm. like pop music is like, or like top 40, whatever you want to call it. Like that is from a lineage of like layer upon layer upon layer of cultural appropriation and stealing quite honestly Mm -hmm. from black artists. Um, You know, like everything from like, like historically, like Elvis Presley's Hound Dog 
which is not Elvis Presley's hound dog, right? Like he took yeah. out Big Mama Thornton. That was her song. Um, and like, yeah. So these sort of like, these things I think have like snowballed um, mm. throughout the music industry. And that's led to like, yeah. I mean, I could like name off a bunch of songs that like reference um, or like steal from black artists or mm-hmm. um, yeah intentionally or unintentionally plagiarize but um i think it's just something that's worth considering is like pop music has disco references which comes from like black underground dance scenes and Mm -hmm. um all these things and i think that like going into that history is like it can be like uncomfortable for sure but i also think that there's like um you don't have to be like self reprimanding the whole time because it's actually really cool. Like it's an aha moment to discover. Cause like, I liked Elvis Presley's hound dog, but when I heard big mama Thornton's hound dog, I was mm-hmm. like, Whoa. Whoa. Right. Like, like I think that that can be like a really like amazing aha moment of like discovering artists that you love, but didn't know you loved. Yeah, it's cool. I see that. It's almost like citing in a research paper. It's like yeah. you, yeah, you're sharing this idea, but it, you know, it's nice to just be like, oh, by the way, this is where my my inspiration came from, and, and yeah. we can all. I I think like, uh, yeah, I, I've I've had this conversation a little bit recently with folks too, and it's just I don't have a problem with other folks building off of original content. Mm-hmm. Uh, as as long as like we all know like what we're sourcing from and because I think once art is put out into the world you're like it belongs to the world in a way but then it's mm-hmm. like if you know who to reference or you know how to then sure. it, then it, yeah it, it works yeah and uh, I, I think it's like a really um like I think it it like that process of like referencing it adds like it's like a it's a practice of humility like you are Mm -hmm. understanding that like you know even though they might feel like your ideas they're not your ideas because music is like it's a universal language but also like it comes like specific like mechanisms in popular music come from specific places and cultures and that can't be whitewashed or ignored anymore mm-hmm. so what about the um let's talk about the the album a bit so you got a new album called, coming out called humor yeah so what is what is that like what why that name <laughs> the album is sort of like a lot of the songs in the album are like these sort of um like I talk about them like stories because I sort of, or like characters, because like rather than like a direct experience that has happened to me or like someone else, um, the process is much more like I take a feeling or an impulse or a thought, or like I imagine someone else's impulse or thought or feeling, and I just kind of run with it and personify it. Um, And like, that is hard. That's like hard work emotionally Mm. um it's like ultimate empathy exercise and like it's hard to talk about 
So I was like, hmm, what do I do usually when I have a tough time talking about things? I joke about them. And so I kind of like arrived at humor in that way. I was like, oh, that might be like an interesting like door to open people into the album. I also think that like humor is an interesting title because it has different meaning meanings, like, you know, like being in good humor and bad humor, or like um, humoring someone or like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that was kind of just where it came from. Like, I didn't want the the title to sort of, like, be the thing that gives the album away. I wanted mm-hmm. it to just sort of, like, be something that intrigues someone to look at it or listen to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, you're transgender. Yeah. Do you find, I don't know if this is a dumb question or not, but do you find that your experience as a transgender person would influence your writing process in a different way than it would say someone else? Um, I think it like, I don't think it influences my writing process any more than like having blue eyes influences yeah. my process. That being said, I do think that, hmm, I guess that there are things that like somewhat uniquely position me to comment on like, because like some of the songs in my album are like a little bit more, it's like, it could be interpreted as like a love song or an existential song kind of deal. Not to say that like being trans means like, I'm just like wondering what the meaning of life is all the time. But like, I remember an author talking about like uh, a trans author talking about like a coming of age memoir And a lot of the questions that he got, he's a trans man. A lot of the questions that he got um, were like, is this about like going from a man to a woman? And he was like, no, it's about going from a child to an adult. And I Uh thought it was sort of like, that's kind of how I feel about being like a trans musician in general. It's just like, no, I'm just a human, like growing up through this world. Right. Um, So I think like, Yes and no, like, yes, it influences my writing, but like, I think that there are a lot more things that influence my writing more than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's, that's interesting. Um, yeah. yeah, so it's like, you're, you're not necessarily having to look at it from like a specific binary, but still mm-hmm. capturing the, the general human experience. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, it's interesting. Cool. Yeah. So like, before covid shut everything down like what would you say is like one of the bigger challenges trying to make it as a musician Uh, well honestly okay so i'm gonna preface this by saying like i hate the pandemic i hate that it's a thing i hate (laughs) i hate that people are dying but when it hit in march i was nearing a burnout point wow Um, so I was actually really grateful for the time to just rest because I had basically like I toured for like nearly two years straight um, Mm -hmm. right before 2020 Um, and then like 2019 I was just sort of like getting my life together like I was like in therapy for a year and like you know um, like falling in love like and uh and sort of like getting ready to to move to Montreal part-time. And so I was like already, like I was feeling like 
like I was getting grounded, but I didn't feel grounded at all. And in the pandemic, I like when it hit, I was like, oh, wow, like I can just sleep. I can just sleep right. straight. I can like, I don't have to worry about like, you know, going to like needing to play a show and then like having to reload my computer because like I can't have like the stuff that I'm working on for the album and my show set on the same computer or else it crashes. Like I, I, I could just like sit and kind of put my head down and finish the album that I've been working on for a while. And, um, and I could like situate into my new apartment and, um, you know, like spend really quality time with my partner. And Mm -hmm. like, I wasn't like getting up, like getting ready to get up and leave. Like this is the longest that I've been like in a home space in at least five years. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, it's, um, but also like it was, it was a really intense change of pace. So there was like a, a, an adjustment to it, but um, I've really been cherishing the time to just like not even like work on my stuff because like it was also kind of hard to work on my stuff just like with the global stress of what was going on um or what has been going on but um I think it's just been nice to like be a person at home with like a routine like I get up and I make coffee and I like (laughs) you know like whereas before it just felt so much less uh grounded than that Mm. Yeah, I I hear you. I hear you. I was kind of in the same way, like happy for the slowdown. I did have a crash afterwards, but it was at the beginning. The slowdown was definitely welcome. Yeah, uh, for sure. One of my favorite songs of yours is Light of the Moon. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Light of the Moon was sort of... I think that's actually the one song on the album that's like actually about something that um, I witnessed. Yeah, it was like a a friend who, I'm going to speak carefully because I don't want to go too in in depth, but um, Mm -hmm. it was a friend who I, I, I saw becoming really involved with someone who I knew was extremely abusive in Mm. their past relationships um and I kind of like saw my friend getting sucked into it and like this person that I was friends with like they were just like this like exuberant spontaneous light and as they were getting sucked into this relationship I saw that being eaten up Mm. and I like, it was really, really hard for me to kind of like watch this from the outside. Um, And so I was just like feeling really messed up about it. And I sort of like wrote the song, like with the intention of it being like some kind of spell to Mm -hmm. like let this person know that they're safe or like they have a safe place to return to. like you can call me when this when like you're ready to leave and yeah so that was kind of where it came from and I think it's a really I released it because I think it's 
it's a really common story. And I think that like people that get um, sucked into abusive relationships um, get a really like, I think they get a lot of shit from other people, honestly. I think they get a lot of blame. They get mm -hmm. a lot of like, um, yeah, a lot of sort of um, rejection, which um, I think is really misplaced because like that is the nature of abusive relationships is that they do suck, they suck someone in. So I wanted to kind of create like a song that was a warning, but also like, dude, I love you and you have a place to come back. And I hope that this doesn't like hurt you as badly as it possibly could. Right. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's also like, it's funny, like that's a super serious topic, but in in some ways it's like a more danceable song too so yeah. it's yeah. interesting <laughs> yeah well initially like when I initially produced it it was like way slower so uh, there was sort of like the suspense feeling in the song was sort of more um more intense and then when when like I sped it up because I think it's a I think it's at 120 now and it was like at 110 BPM before, which makes a huge difference. Yeah, I like, like I, I started to lean more into like the, the there's sort of like um, in the chorus, there's this like swell that goes into and then it claps. And so there's like this tension and release thing that happens in the song that I emphasize more. I don't know if I'm making sense, but uh, yeah. Yeah, I guess it is danceable, but that's what I mean. Like songs for dancing and crying. It's my brand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> is the is the whole album self-produced or did you work with other people? I, I self-produced, like I did all the initial production and then um my manager Julien Manon, um he kind of mixed it, mixed the songs and cleaned cleaned them up a little bit, which was ace because he like he pretty much leaves well, no, on one of the songs he did a little bit more, but that was sort of just because we were getting into crunch time. Like it was time to, uh, it was time to send it off for mastering. But uh, no, for the most part, like he, he really just kind of left things as they were, but like cleaned it up and made it shiny, mm -hmm. um, which I was really helpful for because I or grateful for because um I was at a point where like I, I had been working on this thing for like four years. So like the songs <laughs> did not even sound like music anymore. Like I was so done. And then um, we had for four of the songs I recorded in studio, but the rest of them I recorded at home just by myself. And Steven Chouinard was the engineer, like the recording engineer for four of the songs. And I got him to do a, tr a drum, lay down some drums on one of the songs, Lavender. And I got a percussionist named Morgan O'Leary and she laid down some percussion. So I like, I had like a few people that like did like, a f like some added some sprinkles, some like live, like human, like life into the songs. Um, mm -hmm. And, uh, but yeah, no, I mostly, I mostly uh, produced the whole thing. And then, 
Cool. And you, you wrote everything too? Yep. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's a lot of talent. Like how, how independent, like how much do you think that um, like helps you? Because I can imagine like, you know, you might need to reach out to a writer or you might need to reach out to a producer. Like the fact you could pretty much do it all yourself mm-hmm. if you needed to. Yeah. Um, that's a benefit. That's so helpful. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm also a huge fan of, like, just because you can doesn't mean you should. (laughs) True. (laughs) So, like, if I had done all of this by myself, I would, like, not even, I would release the album in, like, five years, and I would, and it would be, like, four songs, and I'd be like, here's my heart. Um, So, I think, like, because I'm I'm such a perfectionist, so um, it's helpful to have, like, like Julien was really helpful in terms of like just helping me fucking finish the songs. Oh, I can see that. <laughs> like, yeah. um, because I had deadlines, you know, like yep. I was all right, he wants to mix this by XYZ and we want to have it mastered by then. So I've got to like hunker down and just do the thing and stop playing around and like stop, you know, deleting and re-recording and, um, so uh like it helps me like not be as much of a perfectionist that way but um yeah like the fact that I write all the songs I don't think I would ever like um well never say never but I you would have to like work really hard to convince me to let someone else write on one of my songs Mm. like that is my character I would co I've I've co-written with people though and that's been really great um, but there's sort of like an understanding that like we're going in, this is a collaboration. It's 50, 50, both of our names are on the track. Like if it's my song, it's like, I'm writing it. I'm, I'm a producer and I'm a songwriter. And that is like partially like a creative decision. And also um, it makes things easier for my bank account. Like if I have yeah. full rights to the to the written song, like that is money in my pocket when it comes to things like, you know, getting your music on like TV shows or commercials or whatever, um, if they get that far. <laughs> yeah. Is that something you're you're exploring, uh, licensing deals and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah. I've licensed a few of my songs to a few things. Um, yeah. There, it's like random stuff, but like great opportunities. Um, I think I was in a series called, uh, or I was in a series called Avocado Toast, like my music was, um, which was on Out TV, I believe. And then there were like a few sort of um, like Quebec television shows, uh, one called Tout le monde en part, which I've had two songs licensed to. Um, yeah, sort of just like dipping my toes into stuff. And like, I, I know quite a few music supervisors. I get along with music supervisors really well, just because mm. like when I'm at the music conferences, they seem to be like the cooler people with like an actual creative agenda. And I can right. relate to that somehow more than I can relate to other musicians <laughs> or, or whatever. Like, they, you know, I, I'm interested, I'm like genuinely interested in the music supervision like the process of music supervising because um, I think it's really awesome. I think if I was a musician, if I was not a musician, I would like explore music supervision because I think it's a really cool job. Mm, okay. Um, 
Yeah, yeah. So I like I know a fair amount about it compared to like maybe like someone who's just dipped their toes into the industry. Right. Would you yeah. ever write for another artist? You know what? Yeah, I would. I think that would be really cool. I think mm. that would be a really cool opportunity. Um yeah, it would have to be like someone that I'm super down with. Like I I wouldn't just like write for like um, you know, like some sexist like yeah douchebag or whatever but I would um yeah I think it would be a really interesting creative opportunity or like to help to help um or like co like help facilitate songwriters in some way like I think would be really cool like once I get better at songwriting because I'm also like I I'm I think I'm a good songwriter now but I I think that um I'm just sort of getting started in terms of like my process of doing that. Like, yeah. Cool. Yeah. So if there's one piece of advice you would give someone who was looking at like exploring a music career, what would you give them? Say to them. Um, well, in the age of COVID, I would say get as much um, of like, what's the what's the benefit fund right now like the the canadian recovery method get as much of that as oh, you sir. Can. <laughs> <laughs> and um no i i think i would just say like the beginning of your music career is going to be like it's going to be a lot different than what your music career is going to look like once you have a team and once you are established and once you're like looking at grant systems and da, da, da. when you're just starting out just starting out just do it as much of it as you can and show people release it to people talk to like make appointments with like musicians that you admire that you know and pay them for their time and have a consult with them and mm. see what they would do because like there are a million ways to enter the music industry and and like nobody has really done it the same way you know if you're a folk artist who's like wanting to get into the folk music industry on the east coast like make a an appointment with like one of the east coast like folk guitar people like <laughs> like have an appointment yeah. with, with them send them an email send them your stuff be like hey i'm a young songwriter like go like go to conferences go to workshops go to classes go to like um songwriting songwriter circles go to um yeah like just do as much of it as you can and like get a community around you and if nobody's doing the thing that you want to do then just start doing it because <laughs> that's right. what I at least when I was living in PEI, nobody was really doing what I was doing when I was living in PEI at the time. So I was just kind of like, well, I guess I'll go to the folk conference and I'll hang out with the music supervisors because none of the managers want to book me because, or like want to work with me because they're looking for folk artists at the mm -hmm. folk. Um, so yeah, I think like, yeah. Look for look for allies and um, don't take yourself too seriously. And that is all the advice I have off the top of my head. 
yeah. cool yeah. so when can we expect this album to drop well the the pre-order drop today's the 20th of january that we're doing this interview so it'll draw like the pre-order is available so people okay. can go buy that on Bandcamp, but the actual release date is february 26th so I'm okay out. yeah cool cool so where can people find you online well i'm on the gram um the instagram i'm on twitter is probably where i'm most active now which um i'm just kind of getting into it i'm sort of like moving over to twitter just because i like it more Twitter's um, fun. yeah it's fun it's really funny and like yeah People were like, Twitter's so toxic. I'm like, well, you follow <laughs> assholes. Like, of course it's going to be toxic. That's like, you know, people that be like, Tinder sucks. And then they like, right. you know, just like a bunch of people and don't go on any dates. Um, right. Like, well, you're not doing it right. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm on t- Twitter, Facebook, Russell Louder, R-U-S-S-E-L-L l-o-u-d-e-r all one word but uh i'm on spotify i'm on spotify i'm on itunes i'm on bandcamp i'm on deezer probably i'm on uh i don't know that's it it. i'll work on that pitch okay cool hey you know what though i just uh i got on clubhouse recently and It's like an all audio social media platform. I love and that. Yeah, it's it's pretty new. And um, a lot of music industry people are in there. So like I follow, say, Joe Budden, and he'd be in there talking about the music industry or something like that. And you can just join in and listen. You can raise your hand and have a live conversation with music execs. What? It's uh, in. Okay. Yeah. Turn my phone off, but I'm going to write it down. <laughs> Yeah, if you want an invite, I got an invite. It's, it's invite only at this point. So Okay, invite me. I'm so down. Okay. Thank cool. you. Uh, yeah, so this has been great. Uh, if there's anything else you want to talk about. <laughs> I'm just, I hope everyone's like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, tough times, tough times. Well, Russell Lauda, thank you for your time, actually. And uh, this was a pleasure. And everyone check out the music when it, uh, well, you can check it out now because mm-hmm. this should drop out, drop it around mid-February, I think. So, uh, yeah. That's exciting. Thank you so much, Dwayne. No problem. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our page. Thank you to Langy Beats for the theme music. You can find more of his music on YouTube. If you got anything out of this, please rate, review, or leave a comment on whatever platform you're listening. You can find out more about Art Pays Me at artpaysme.com, or you can hit me up on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Clubhouse. I'm at Art Pays Me on all of those platforms. With that, we're out. Peace. <laughs>